Hello again, friends. Welcome back to Nextra Presents. Today, Grant is talking to Jesse Savage, owner of Savage Gardens and freelance landscape designer. Jesse has extensive experience doing design work across the country and even into the U.S. Grant and Jesse discuss the benefits and challenges of landscape design and how Jesse's services can assist landscapers who do not have a designer on staff. They also discuss Nextra's new peer group for landscape designers that will be facilitated by Jesse. If landscape design is part of your business or you wish it were, you'll appreciate this episode. The Landscape Designers Peer Group is going to begin on May 19th. If you're interested in joining the group or just want more information, you can check out our website or email Jordan. His email is jordan at nextraconsulting.ca. And now, here's Grant's conversation with Jesse Savage. Welcome, Jesse, to the Nextra Presents podcast. Uh, give us a little bit of history of how you got involved in the landscape industry. It's actually a, a very interesting story. I, I applied to school to be a paramedic at Niagara College. I ended up not getting in and uh, signed up for general arts and science. As I was sitting there in class, my first class, I realized that this really wasn't what I wanted to do. So I went down to the counselor's office and I flipped through a catalog. And the first, first thing that I stopped on was landscape technician. My father was a mason, so I grew up on a construction site and I loved the, the informal um, atmosphere, uh, more or less. And my mother was an incredible perennial gardener. So to me, it just made sense. And I liked being creative. So I, I signed up right there. It was really just chance to tell you the honest to God truth. Um, a little bit of history with my family and stuff, obviously, as well. But yeah, just chance as to why I got into it. Excellent. So you took, was it a two-year program? Two-year program at Niagara College. Yep. yep. It was the uh, landscape technician diploma. Okay. Excellent. And when you, when you graduated from there, what was kind of your first forte into the world of landscaping? <laughs> well, while I was there, I did my co-op at the Niagara Parks, worked with some uh, great gardens and stuff there. And then I got the travel itch. So I went with a couple of buddies to Australia backpacking, did some odd jobs in landscaping over there. Nothing I would consider uh, career wise. But when I came back, my uh, former professor turned friend, Mike um, Hoekstra, he uh, referred me to a company in Niagara on the Lake as a junior designer. Um, that's sort of where I met my mentor. And uh, from there, I, you know, like everybody else, you make your mistakes and, and you pay attention and I started to work my way up through the ladder from there. Okay, very good. So today you own your own company. Yeah. And the company name is? Savage Gardens. Okay. And tell us a little bit about Savage Gardens. Well, we ultimately, I started out on my own as a freelance designer in 2016, just as myself. And the company I was working for at the time was very supportive of me. At the time, I had done design work for them and I had run their uh, their maintenance division as well. So what happened was I started doing freelance work for contractors and I was offered, um, uh, the owner was looking to get rid of this part of his company and I decided to, to take it over. Completely focused on, on horticulture side of things, gardening, planting jobs, enhancements of that nature. So I sort of combined the design with the, the horticulture side. Okay. And where kind of, for those of us who don't know where the Niagara region is, kind of where is it and kind of what was your service area? How big of a service area were you doing this type of work in? Yeah. So we're just south of Niagara Falls. We're right at the Peace Bridge across from Buffalo, New York. 
you know, a couple hours south of uh, south of Toronto. So when it came to the horticulture side of things, we never really left town much. We have a town of 30,000 people. We just happened to have the right clients all along the lake. Uh, most of them were from the States or Toronto. Um, these were their summer homes and they put a, especially the Torontonians put a large emphasis on their garden beds. I assume from when I worked in Toronto, it's, it's, there's not a lot of grass, not a lot of room for grass. So the, the gardens were how you got your, you know, got your green fix. Um, as for design, yeah, I've, I've worked, done design for contractors all over North America, as far as California, down to Florida, um, all over Ontario, out to uh, Newfoundland. So really, I've hit all the corners. Okay. So let's, uh, before we jump into the design part, because that's kind of what I want to yeah. kind of break into a little bit more deeper. Uh, so on the service part, uh, are you still doing that service now? Yeah, 100%. So things have changed slightly. We were originally all maintenance, so we would do a lot of gardening. We would do enhancements for our clients, but as time went on and we sort of became known as, as more creative, um, I would say 75% of our calls now are for, for designing uh, entire projects, but then installing uh, in our region and then installing uh, the planting while working with a hardscaping partner. Um, we don't do hardscaping, so it just made sense to us to make partners, strategic partners throughout different towns um, and go about it that way. Um, we also came into doing a lot of planting for hardscapers. It seemed there were a lot of landscape contractors that just they weren't interested in the plants or they, they didn't have the knowledge, so they subcontract us in to to take care of that side, put on the finishing touches and they can move on to the next rock project or, or, um, or patios or walls or whatever they'd like to do. So that's sort of where we are right now. And we still have a small uh, high-end uh, uh, maintenance list as well. Okay. So roughly for size, like one or two crews on the installation, a couple crews on the maintenance, on the reoccurring stuff or what, how, how many staff would you have last year? Yeah, last year we had about eight people. Two of us were in the office, so we really only had six people on the ground. And a lot of our projects, as you know, the hardscaping takes so much time and softscaping generally happens relatively quick, especially when that's all you do. Our guys are fine-tuned machines, I guess, if you will. So we had about eight people. We, we uh, Like I said, six people were on the ground. We um, had one person cutting lawn and the rest were in between. They, you know, they would have one week of maintenance, one week of enhancement, one week of maintenance, one week of enhancement. And I think anybody who's been in a situation realizes that you have to do it that way because, like I said, the hardscaping on these projects is so long and your job is, you know, three days to a week. So you have to fill the gaps and maintenance is just a natural way to do that. So when you say that, so you would have like a maintenance contract and then the, that off week, that was your week you could go work for, an, for another subcontractor or do your own planting. And it gives you that flexibility then. 100%. Yep. Okay. Good. That's a, it's quite an interesting, not very many guys have that, yeah, that structure, right? Or the attention to detail uh, in the industry because so many guys do want, you know, the big machines and, you know, put the, all the rock in and all that type of stuff. But yeah, someone's, someone's got to make it look pretty at the end of it or softer at least. So yeah, they all jive, right? Uh, you can't make a hardscape project look good without the soft and you can't just, you can't just have plants. It's uh, there really is a balance and it's, it's, so it's very interesting that uh, I guess I should say we're very fortunate to have made those relationships where we can make that work. 
Okay. Um, and then again, before we jump into the kind of design side of the business, what is your role within the company on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, I still do the sales. I still like to be that person that's representing the company. Um, and I do, uh, I manage all the design work. So uh, I do have a couple of junior designers. I still like to be involved in that matter. I still like to have the creative end of things uh, involved, but uh, be involved in that. But uh, that's, that's my major roles. I will still help with operations occasionally if I need to, um, if I need to step in, but my guys are pretty good. So, okay. Um, so again, why we're doing this call today is I really want to know about your design service. Um, you know, I think COVID, the one thing that COVID has taught us is that you can do a lot of work remotely. Um, you and I were just talking before the call, before we started recording about how comfortable we both are, unfortunately, um, to yeah. talk, uh, you know, over Zoom and Google Meet and all that type of stuff. And and uh, that has kind of opened up an opportunity for you. So, yeah. So tell us about the, the design um, element of the business. So the design element started before Savage Gardens. It started in, uh, like I said, 2016. And I'd worked for, you know, I'd been 20 years. Oh, well, no, I guess it'd been about 15 years at that point. And uh, I'd had design positions and, you know, you have to be a certain size, as most of you know, and definitely, you know, to be able to employ a full-time designer. There's, there's, uh, and then there's downtime as well, where you have to find something for that designer to do. Then there's the truck, then there's the, the computer, all the systems, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's not cheap, right? And a good designer costs money. So what I noticed were these things. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if contractors could sort of use it as they needed it? Um, if they had downtimes, they didn't have to feel bad about having somebody looking for work for somebody. If it was really hot times, well, we had the, we had the ability to turn things over quick. And I, and I saw that in, in right off the bat, you know, the very first year, it started to catch on relatively quick. And there were only a few people doing it at that point. Um, obviously it's, it's expanded at this point, but so yeah, more or less, that was, that, that's what we do. We help contractors and with zoom and loom and being able to present entire drawings remotely. Now we don't really need to be there as long as someone can provide us with the information that we need. Uh, we can work for anybody anywhere at any time. So it's, uh, it's convenient for people in that, you know, companies in that 500,000 to, you know, a million dollar range where they can't, like I said, hire somebody full time. They can still put out high end projects and increase their revenue. And I know this from experience because the contractors I worked with have, but they actually lower their overhead or at least it remains static. So it's a win win for everybody, really. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, that's why I decided to do it. Okay, so let's talk practically because majority of us in this industry are practical thinkers and linear thinkers. So, um, if they've had a designer before, typically, you know, they've sent the designer out to do all the measurements and meet with the client and take pictures and, you know, and then send the designer back. And, you know, so they've always had access to that person. So, how does it work um, with you remotely? What does the contractor need to do? What do they need to send you? How, what does the interaction with the client look like? Walk the contractor uh, still has to have that front uh, man or woman, um, that person that can sort of be the face uh, that can that can meet the client. We do meet a lot of clients, like I said, over Zoom, but somebody still has to go to the site. So I guess more than a designer, the contractor requires more of a sales role. And then we can sort of step in and fill in the gap. 
because truth be told, design and sales are very different personalities, you know, and operations. That's a whole different thing, but they're all very different personalities. So what the contractors would usually do, and a lot of them I dealt with were owner operators. So the owner was still doing the sales like myself and they would go out, they would get the information, meet the client. They would send me the information. I would come up with concepts relatively fast, which we all know is huge. If people are waiting way too long for a design, they lose interest, especially nowadays, if you could separate yourself by being quick. And then it would go through back to the contractor. He deals with it on his side. We revise it as needed. And then um, at the end, what we provide is we provide a master plan, a planting plan, a dimensions plan, quantity takeoffs. You get everything you need to be able to quote that project in its entirety. And it's it's generally worked well, like I said. And, and, and that's not to say we've actually worked with a lot of companies that have full-time designers. But as you know, and, and I know, things are crazy. You can't keep up as one person. So we help with a lot of overflow as well, where we'll work with their designer and help them out. The designer acts more as a design manager. Um, so there are lots of options for for smaller companies to take that leap without having to really take a lot of risk in, in expensive salaries and equipment and stuff like that. Okay. So um, like, how do you charge for the service? Like how, how's the logistics of that? Is it by the hour? Is it by like the packages that you guys can, um, that you would sell to a contractor? Or? Yeah, we generally will do it based on square footage. I, I've tried it in a number of different ways. Hourly is, is, is great. A lot of people are wary of hourly, even though hourly can usually work out in your favor. Um, when you quote something, obviously you have to assume worst case scenario, but mostly it's off of square footage. So it's, it's, a uh, you know, 5,000 square feet. I want the black and white version. I want the color version. And, and we allow people to sort of pick their package. And then from there, it's, it's a set, it's a set price with this many revisions. And then so say three revisions, anything beyond that, we've all had a client where it gets taken to the next level. Uh, it gets charged at a per hour rate beyond that that's, that's, that's the easiest way to kind of make sure everybody's taken care of and as long as the contractor supplies that same information they're not going to get caught either yeah okay so again and this is the, the great thing i love about this service is that like you've already said like that most people you know want to hire a full-time designer but then find work for that person and then they put that designer who's usually a creative person into a role that they're really not comfortable with. Maybe it's project management, or maybe they're calling locates, or maybe they're doing some other admin work just to you know keep them busy. Uh, and then the second thing I love about this program is that um, a lot of times when contractors do, they give away, they give that cost out for free, right? Because they don't see that that hourly rate person uh, or they're on salary, they don't recover that overhead. So when it's it's much easier to sell to someone when you're getting an invoice from someone else to say, here's what it's going to cost you. 100%. I think payroll, sometimes it gets lost on, on owners. Uh, but if they're getting an invoice from a sub, yeah, they're going to recover that for sure. Okay. So you kind of hinted, um, the other question I had is like, what, where can you work out of? So obviously you kind of mentioned earlier, like all the way in the States and down East and stuff like that. So, um, so really geographical areas, isn't really the big issue for you then. Um, no, the, the hardest part is for us, is getting into a different um, a different growing zone. So Florida was a bit of a challenge year like years ago. It took time. It took research. It took really having good conversations with 
not just a contractor I was working with, but nurseries down there as well. Like it, it takes time. But if you're somewhat in the same, like anywhere in Canada, uh, the Northeast growing zone, relatively similar. Like I do a lot of work in Tennessee. That's even like, that's a bit lower, but it's closer to us than you think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's the hardest part. But other than that, that's the only limitation. So how do you even, I know, like even looking around, like, you know, I live in Southwest Ontario, um, you just even know what plant selection that people like, right? Because you get into a neighborhood and you're like, man, like this plant is at every house, it seems like, right? It's usually, it's, sometimes it loses the creativity. So how do you pick plants based on kind of what maybe is popular for that area? Or does the contractor help you with that, some sort of plant selection? Yeah, your greatest asset as a remote designer is the contractor you're working with. They've experienced these things. They've done these things. So what I'll do a lot of times is, once again, I'm there to help you. Is there any sort of planting palette or materials you prefer? Because, you know, there's Teco guys, there's Unilog guys, there's all different guys that like different materials. Um, I try and blend to their style as much as possible. And that can be, you know, difficult, but it's no different than a homeowner. You have to get out of your own head and put yourself in theirs. And uh, I do the same thing with plant material. I'm not going to ask them how to arrange it because otherwise what do they need me for? But can you send me a plant list from your local supplier based on your previous, you know, two or three jobs? Let me see what you're, what you're using and what you're comfortable with, because truth is they're, they're guaranteeing the product. So they want to be a part of that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And again, most guys get comfortable with whatever, maybe 15 different plants, right? You know, the odd specimen, but generally um, you can see a lot of local designers. You can, you can drive by and go, Hey, I know that's that designer, right? Cause you get used that's to, it. you just know that that plant's going to be hardy. There's way less warranty work on it. You know how to, you know, teach them how to maintain it. So that's really good. So, okay. What other question haven't I asked you uh, maybe that we didn't cover um, if I'm a contractor thinking about hiring someone like yourself to, I, 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 turnaround times, I think are a big thing for contractors. I know when I was doing contracting, it was, and I, I have every single person, a guy or girl ask me, uh, what the turnaround times are going to be because, you know, uh, a lot of residential designers are months out. So how fast can we turn things around? Because, uh, that's going to keep clients happy and it's going to allow them to sell faster. So most concepts put out, um, most of them are put out within a week, but two weeks is kind of the max where you're going to get, you're going to get that first concept. Um, if it's black and white, you're going to have pictures, you're going to have uh, all kinds of information all over it. So you have something to present usually within two weeks, which nowadays is. That's pretty good. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you have to, you just have to have the, the capability of the network to be able to pop that out fast. So okay. um obviously spring is a little bit longer, but there's times when things die down a bit, like summer, winter, if people are wise to get their designs done in the winter where you can turn around initial concepts relatively quick. And that's very important. So that's the question. So how do you, um, how do you keep up with all these designs in the spring? Like, is it just you designing? Do you have other help? Like, how do you, um, because I think you would get overwhelmed pretty quick trying to do operations and then try and design. 100%, 100%. I would never survive. I'd be down in Mexico somewhere for sure at no time. I, uh, I do have uh, some junior designers and um, I also have help with CAD work, which is huge because truth be told, when it comes to the design, you can design with paper and pencil. The CAD work is where you're on the computer taking time. So I, I've created a network around me to, 
with 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 these types of people um with fellow freelancers with all kinds of different things where we can turn things around relatively quick um but it all goes through me and i know that sounds like that could get overwhelming but the truth is is if you're focused on that creative side of thing and you and you're really focused on one thing and you have people around you, you trust to take care of the the technical the practical side of the design which you're obviously reviewing but you can do a lot of work a lot okay. of work so I haven't been overwhelmed yet <laughs> okay good so if i'm a freelance designer listening to this right now is it something that you're looking for more people to help you do design like is that something that you're you're looking at 100 percent. i i would love to create i would love to build on the network even more and there are a lot of very very talented people out there like uh for example 3ds um 3ds are obviously you know they're here to stay the 3D 2D debate that's a whole that's a whole different thing but i do have even contractors that can help me out with that if i get overwhelmed i would love to have a conversation with anybody who is like mindset and is creative yet practical there's a lot of creative people out there but being practical and being able to install a design that's that's what matters to the contractor so mm -hmm. of course of course okay. i am yeah so if you are a freelancer there and you're looking for some extra work or lo looking to learn in the notes, we're going to have Jesse's contact information there for you. But Jesse, you had said a word there. I just want to unpack a little bit. You know, you talked about, you use a word called networking um, of designers. So kind of explain to me um, kind of what's your vision uh, for a network of designers? Um, and, and what does that, what does that mean? Well, I spent a little time uh, teaching at Niagara College uh, for four years in landscape design. And I really, I'm not going to lie, I was inspired by the young people's um, passion for wanting to learn the trade and me wanting to transfer my knowledge to them. Design is, is, is a lot about making mistakes. It really is. So what I would like to do is provide a network where people can bounce ideas off of each other and off myself so these, net, so these mistakes don't cost money. I, I would like to be able to help young people make that next step into into getting into design because it is it's a scary situation at first when you're first out there so what i would like to do personally is i would like to be able to help them grow and help companies help their designers grow um, it's definitely something that i have been talking about is is working with young freelancers having somebody to bounce ideas off of them companies that have new designers uh, that don't have that experience they're looking for yet where I could be able to, to come in and, and help them, help them get to that next level. I really think we have a lot of talented people out there. They just need that little bit of extra help rather than being thrown into the fire. So that network could be, could be very helpful. And I'm not the only one who could be helping people. There's, there's lots of uh, experienced designers at this point, but there's definitely something to that. Okay. So the one thing uh, kind of when I heard your story and I heard you kind of talk about this network is um, we've decided to kind of partner up for a year and start a peer group. Um, we obviously as Nextra have a lot of companies that are, that are looking, you know, to build, to sub out design work, either as an overflow or as a full-time, like as a service that they're not going to hire someone. Um, and I just love your passion for helping, um, you know, young designers. So yeah, so talk to us about kind of the format of the peer group. You know, what can a designer expect, you know, to be part of a group? I'm very excited about this because uh, it, it, it's going to be, 
so amazing to bounce ideas off some of uh, the other people who who have experience because let's be honest we all there's so many things we have to learn uh, in, in this industry and to be able to bounce real life ideas off of each other, that's going to be great. So what we're planning on doing, uh, with the peer group, it's going to focus a lot on, on education, guest speakers, uh, round tables, stuff like that. And then monthly, um, conversations over zoom hour and a half or so. And what we're going to be able to do with this group is, like I said, talk about, the problems that we face today uh, as designers. And there are, there are a lot that we didn't face even five years ago. Technology has created issues. Like one of the big debates right now is 2D versus 3D. I think that's a, that's a topic, that's, that's a day, you could go for a day between 10 designers just talking about that. So I, I think it's gonna be really exciting and we're, we're really hoping to get, uh, I've actually talked to a few people, a, t- a few uh, fellow designers who I bounce stuff off of and they seem very interested about the whole thing. So. I think it's going to be fantastic. So Jesse, who do you think would be the ideal person to join this group? I think any designer. I think I think freelancers. I think people, uh, designers who work for big companies. The one thing um, I find, and I have a lot of friends who are designers, they work for the same company forever and they fall in a certain pattern. They fall in a certain ways and the creativity starts to wane down a bit because it's almost like uh, they're, you know, putting out machines, putting it out, right? So to be able to bounce ideas and get that creative spark from others and feel that passion, then I think any designer could benefit from it. So I really hope to see a good blend of both, to tell you the truth. Okay, good. Um, okay, anything else you think that a freelance designer or maybe a full-time designer uh, that's working for a, for a company should know about the group? that would maybe tweak their interest, maybe another topic. Like what topics do you think you're going to cover? You said 2D, 3D presentation and stuff. Yeah, I think that's definitely um, the, the way uh, 2D versus 3D is, is a huge one because you have people that are absolutely one side or the other. It's like politics nowadays. Um, so I think that could be a very good one back and forth. And I think you're going to get a lot of, of positives out of that. Um, designing for the contractor, I think is another one. Um, you know, how do you work with your contractor? How do you get the information of how they like to work? Uh, do you use client questionnaires? Uh, I think that's a topic all on its own because um, when you're designing for a contractor, you're not ultimately just designing for the, the contractor, you're designing for the homeowner and the contractor. So you have to keep two things in mind here. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to go about that, extracting that information because some con- well, <laughs> A few of the contractors I've worked with, they're low on details. So you have to kind of figure out how they think. Um, and I think th- that is, a once again, that's a topic all on its own. Planting plants. How do you draw up your planting plants? I see a lot of landscape designs uh, online. I see planting being a bit stagnant in a lot of them. It's, you know, a lot of straight lines. I think to have a conversation about planting plants and planting and even using natives rather than focusing, focusing on things that will be beneficial to the environment, pollinators, all that sort of stuff. Um, there are topics there. So precast versus natural, like once again, that comes down to what your contractor prefers to work with, but it, it's an interesting conversation. So I definitely think that uh, metal work, I can go on and on. I can yeah. go on and on. Okay. I'm not <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
We are grateful for this year's podcast sponsor, Jim Pattison Lease. This year, Jim Pattison Lease celebrates its 60th anniversary. It was 60 years ago that Jim Pattison leased his first vehicle through Jim Pattison Pontiac Buick. And since then, they've expanded and opened offices across the country, always with the goal of helping local business. They provide exceptional service through all their fleet solutions, whether that be leasing, expert industry knowledge, data capturing and online reporting, or fuel and maintenance networks. Jim Pattison Lease specializes in outfitting, so they can deliver your vehicle totally complete with equipment and decals and rust proofing. Basically, it's ready to go the moment it gets delivered. They provide personal service and flexible leasing options, offering lease structures and terms that will optimize your vehicle spend. They provide full support to your vehicle management cycle, including remarketing your used vehicles. The remarketing staff will ensure you're provided with the best opportunities to maximize the resale value on your lease returns. They also offer an online reporting system. It is effective and easy to use and a great way to manage your fleet of light duty cars and trucks. For the last 60 years, Jim Pattison Lease has grown because their commitment to their core values has not wavered. Those core values are integrity, quality, and customer service. These are the values that define the way they do business and the way they treat their clients. And we can personally attest to that. So whatever your fleet needs may be, we highly recommend you contact Wendy Ladd at Jim Pattison Lease. You can reach her at 416-417-5233 or wendy.ladd, that's L-A-D-D, at jplease.com. Again, it's 416-417-5233 or wendy.ladd at jplease.com. And now back to Grant. How much education do you think you are offering to the contractor themselves? Like, obviously, maybe, and again, what, what I'm thinking is, you know, you've had a contractor that's been in the business for 10, 15, 20 years, but I think there's just a lot of younger guys that want to get into the business as well. So, you know, is there a role for, for you in this network to help the install guys? Well, 100%. And, you know, from what I've noticed in my time is there's a lot of older, like, I guess, baby boomers is the word that are starting to take that next step and retire. So there's a lot of younger people coming up to fill the void, at least, man, we hope there's lots because it's definitely needed. Uh, and there is, it goes back and forth, the educational side of things. There's lots of things that I've learned over the years from contractors. There's tons and, and you draw something up and they're like, why did you do that? Why don't you try it like this? And it's like, wow, I didn't even think of that. You know, so we really are learning from each other um, in a lot of ways, but yes, from a creative standpoint, we definitely provide a lot to the, the contractor in regards to education. And then we give them talking points and stuff like that, but it's definitely a two-way street. Like some of these guys are brilliant and they just, they just don't know how to put it on paper. Yeah. They're brilliant in their own way, right? Like they're yeah. brilliant on how they run a piece of equipment or, you know, what they can do with rock. Right. And it's just, and I think it is, I think our, gen our generation or even I'm like even younger to me because I'm dating myself now, but the younger generation, the younger contractors are coming in and saying, I don't have to do it all, right? Like I'm good at this and I'm okay to hire someone who's better at that, right? And I think I grew up in the world where you had to be good at everything or the perception of you had to be good at everything. 
It's 100 percent. And let's be honest, labor issues aren't getting any better right at the moment when it comes to to to. Uh, I know I have my hard times like everybody else trying to attract people to grow um, on the, on the horticulture side of things. So if you're really good and your passion is landscaping and you're an owner operator and you want to be on site, you know, and selling at night, this just allows you to keep pushing along. And let's be honest, it probably reduces your stress as a contractor as well. Right. So yeah. Get you some of your work-life balance, right? Because again, we know, and I've been on the other side of that. It's like you work with guys all day, you go to a client meeting, and then you really you should be going home to the client meeting and starting to sketch something, right? Which is never good when you're tired <laughs> to do anything and that requires a lot of attention to detail. No, and people are burning out. Uh, and I think I've heard you you say that to me or in one of your podcasts, but last summer, for example, like there, I talked to a lot of contractors in this town that were burning out and it, none of us could figure out why it didn't seem much different than previous years, but it was very different than previous years. Yeah. You have to stay fresh in this situation. It's a long season, yeah. especially yeah. if we get back to the winters of the previous you know, few years where there hasn't been a ton of snow and cold and well, at least down here, then uh, guys are hardscapers are working right through. So now they don't even get that break in the winter. Yeah. So yeah, no, we're seeing that, right? And and then when we do get the weather, it seems to be a the wind the whatever events we're getting seem to be more drastic, right? Yeah. So which doesn't give much rest to the guys. So okay. Um, Jesse, anything else uh, that we should know about about Savage Gardens or about the peer group that I didn't cover uh, in our conversation together? Um, I think you I think you covered everything uh, great. We are still once again uh, looking for uh, more contractors to work with. We, we have the capability. And, uh, if you are from the Niagara region by any chance and you need help with your planting, we're, we're there as well. So I think that's, that's pretty much it. All right. So a couple of personal questions for you then. And we ask all of our guests this, cause I always like to know kind of, I'm always curious anyway. So who or what are you currently learning from Actually, you already you already sort of touched on this. It's funny. Uh, I, I'm going to use the overage of experiences. That's what I'm yeah. learning from, and a lot of those experiences, some of these brilliant contractors I've worked with, I've learned probably more from them than I've learned from anybody that I learned in school. That I learned, uh, and then obviously my mentors, uh, senior designers I worked for, and stuff like that. Suppliers constantly trying to keep up on you know, Teco's website or Unilock's website and have conversations with the sales reps and partake in their um, boot camps and stuff like that. Just trying to educate myself as much as possible. But when it really comes down to it, yeah, it's suppliers. Yeah, there's a bit of social media, but these contractors provide a wealth of knowledge, which is also a benefit to freelance designers out there as well. Okay. Uh, what's one book or habit that has impacted your life? I'd say habit, communication. I try and be as forward and as candid as possible. Um, I try and get all the details. Dealing with contractors, some of them can be, that I've experienced, can, can lack communication. <laughs> I guess that's the word. Um, so it's kind of saying the right things to extract that information that you need. Being honest, being truthful. Uh, don't BS. Just just be real. And, uh, and uh, so I would say communication is one habit that I've learned over the years that you just you have to have to succeed. Does that come to you naturally or is that something you have to work on? It's something my dad actually um, really emphasized on the construction site. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to relay some of the words he was communicating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, 
when I was when I was his son uh, slinging mortar and stuff like that. But it's uh, communication. Yeah, that's uh, maybe a little bit natural, but definitely as my time in on uh, construction sites when I was young, for sure. Okay. And then what's one thing you're currently thankful for? I mean, I'm sure other people say this, but my family, I have a nine-year-old identical twin boys. My wife, love of my life. She just, honestly, I don't know if I could do all this without my family. Every day they make it worth this fight. The, 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 the small business owner fight, they definitely make it worthwhile. Yeah, no, and, and it is amazing how much, um, when you do have a strong family support, whatever that looks like, how much you can, how much bandwidth you can have, right? Because life is hard right now. You know, we're recording this in, you know, the end of February of 2022. Um, and there's just chaos going on around us right now. And, and to yeah. come home to a safe place and someone where it does become a bit of a shelter and, and someone who loves you and supports you is, is really important. And, and not a lot of people have that. So that's good. Great to hear that. So. Yeah, no, I am 100% uh, the luckiest guy ever. Okay, excellent. Well, again, thank you so much, Jesse. Um, like Jesse said, if you're interested in the peer group uh, that we're starting this spring, the link will be down below. If you are a uh, if you're a freelance designer looking for some extra work or wanting to know about the network that Jesse's starting, please reach out to him. And again, if you're looking for a contractor and you want to know more about how Jesse and his network of designers can help you, um, again, take you know, get some work-life balance back, um, help you with that. Or if you're thinking about hiring a full-time designer, um, give Jesse a call and uh, he can definitely walk you through that. And, and we're so happy to build this relationship with Jesse um, over this next year. And we're happy to uh, just the impact hopefully that we can have within the industry uh, to make the designers, um, you know, a stronger group of people. And again, give some of those younger designers uh, kind of a leg up and uh, to help them out. So again, thank you so much, Jesse. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As I mentioned at the beginning, we are starting a peer group for landscape designers. The group begins in June and we'll meet virtually each month. In addition to the landscape designers peer group, we have an operations peer group that's starting in June. This group will also meet virtually each month to discuss things like staff training, operations process improvements, health and safety policies and procedures, disciplinary process methods and best practices, managing and running staff meetings, and employee appreciation and company culture, among many other things. And finally, our Snow Peer Group will begin in July. We've partnered with SIMA to provide optional CSP certification as part of this group. If you want more information on any of these groups or would like to register, you can visit our website at nextraconsulting.ca or email Jordan at jordan at nextraconsulting.ca. We'll see you next time. <music>